thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome back to The Real Food Reel. Today on the show, we are joined by none other than Cindy O'Meara. Cindy is a nutritionist, best-selling author, international speaker and founder of Changing Habits. We haven't had Cindy on the show as yet, but we will introduce her shortly. Um, Before we do though, the real topic for today is Cindy's amazing documentary, What's With Wheat, where she has travelled the world interviewing 14 experts on wheat and health. So we're going to chat with Cindy about her journey in the industry, but spend a lot of time talking about her documentary so you guys can find out more. Hi, Cindy, and thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Steph. It's great to have you on the show, and I can't believe you haven't joined us before now. (laughs) No, no, there's lots of podcasts that I'd love to be on, and and especially with What's With Weed, I, I think that it's good to get the information out there. And we all have our different podcasts that we listen to, so... Um, it, you know, I, I was on a podcast in the US yesterday. Oh, I've been on two so far in the, in the US this week. So hoping to get more out of the US. And of course, Aussie um, is very important to get the podcast out with too. Absolutely. So before we do dive into what's with wheat, could you just give us your elevator pitch for the benefit of our listeners who might not know about you? So is this an elevator pitch to the 110th floor or do you want to get to the 6th floor? <laughs> Maybe just the 6th because we've got a lot to chat about. <laughs> so, um, you know, how, how, I guess I, I'm from a family who died young and uh, I wasn't going to go down that route. So my mum was the oldest of 11. She had seven brothers. Um, they're in the middle of the chemical revolution in Iowa, USA, and for the very first time in our family, there was a gene change and six of her brothers uh, were born with hemophilia. And as we go through the years, they all passed away as a result of tainted blood and the AIDS epidemic, um, meant that we lost their wives, we lost children. We also, um, my aunts, my mum died of mesothelioma. My sister passed away who was born in Iowa. She passed away of Crest, which is an autoimmune disease. Um, my aunt passed away from breast cancer and then liver issues. And, oh, my gosh, I just went, I'm not going down that track. Mm-hmm. So I really, I studied nutrition as a 20-year-old, culture and, and um, you know, culture and anthropo- anthropology traditions of of ancient cultures and and just went I know what to feed myself and so that was the the thing that I did and I remained very healthy no medications no nothing until I hit around the age of my late 40s and I started to get a sore back and my husband's a chiropractor nothing could help it a sore hip where I was in a lot of pain um anxiety at three in the morning putting on weight and I could go on with the issues I had and finally I went okay something's not working for me here 
So I did a very, very strict elimination of just meat and veg with a few winter fruits. And in three weeks, I lost all my weight. I lost all my aches and pains, clarity of mind, no more anxiety in a three-week period. Like it it was happening at day 10. Mm -hmm. And then I started to introduce the foods back in and I realized that my biggest problem was wheat. And I didn't intend to write a documentary or do a documentary at that time. But what I wanted to know was, with my knowledge of nutrition and my knowledge of cultures and traditions and the way we did things and the way I ate with from real foods, nothing packaged, organic as much as possible, I, I just thought I have to find out what's happening here. And so in that time, um, about a year after I started searching, um, Wheat Belly came out and then Grain Brain came out and I met, I found Tom O'Brien and all these amazing speakers in the US that were actually talking about the wheat problem that people were having and then gluten. And in five years, the information that is now available in the scientific literature is phenomenal about this um, we're now having. So it, the, the documentary, I started thinking about it about, three years ago and we started, um, I wrote it two years ago and then we started filming about a year and a half ago. So um, it's just been this amazing journey of knowledge and it's culminated into I think we're at over 100,000 people have already seen it in seven days. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal and, um, yeah, I, 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 it's obviously what the world needed. Um, not just Australia, and it's gone worldwide. I see people in Chile, Romania, all over the place now watching it and having realisations, which is, it was great. That's amazing, Cindy. I mean, it's an absolutely eye-opening film and I think it's something that the world definitely needs to see. Um, What I really wanted you to share with us to start, almost to set the scene, is to explain how different wheat is these days and perhaps what the timeline has been because I'm sure you've had this argument before and I get it all the time about how wheat used to be basically what fed the world and how we didn't see problems in the 20s or 40s and why we are seeing such a prevalence of problems with wheat and gluten in the 2000s. Yeah. So, I went back in history, so I, I talked about the cultivation of, of grain, especially wheat, uh, enabled us to change from a hunter-gatherer lifestyle to a more sedentary lifestyle where we were more agriculturalists, where we could stay in one place. So throughout the movie I, I go through the history of it. Then I talk about the beginning of breakfast cereals and how breakfast cereals changed breakfasts forever from something that was bacon and eggs to something that was a breakfast cereal that was extruded that had additional vitamins and minerals thrown into it which were not from food but from chemical laboratories and and mines to um ansel keys who was the father of the low-fat revolution um and and, uh, and just our change in diet which then created the need to grow more wheat um, and the wheat industry got more and more powerful. Mm-hmm. And then with the mechanisation of wheat rather than the hand, um, you know, doing hand um, um, harvesting, they they hybridised wheat grains to change its structure from a very tall grain 
um, which was our iron corns and our emma wheats and our kamuts and even spelt about 5,000 years old, whereas our iron corn is around the 23,000 years old and our emma is around 17,000 years old and kamut is up somewhere in between. So in order to do that, to have less chaff, to have greater yields, the the whole grain changed and, and with that um, came chemicals. And so it was this um, cascade of events that had happened up until the year 2000, um, most people were tolerating grain and wheat and even though it had been changed and we're eating a lot more of it and it was found in everything from cosmetics to vitamins to medications to vaccinations to you, you see it everywhere because what it does is it heightens the immune system and they know this and so they use wheat as an adjuvant um, in some vaccines as they use aluminium as an adjuvant. So with all of this happening and then what we threw into the mix was a new herbicide. Now this herbicide had been used up until the year 1998-2000 in smaller amounts. And then you look at the graph of the amount of this herbicide being used and it rose dramatically around the year 1998-2000 to now where it is used on many crops, not just wheat, it's actually not even just used as a, a pre-planting herbicide, it's actually used as a desiccant on canola, on wheat, um, not so much in Australia or areas of Australia, it will be used as a desiccant, but in your drier areas such as WA and South Australia and the Mali region, they don't use it as a desiccant. So just for those people who don't know what a desiccant is, a desiccant is where just before harvest they spray um, this herbicide over the wheat, um, and especially in the US, which kills the grain, which means that there's less, less waste or chaff. And at the last minute, the, as it dies, it produces more of that grain and it's easier to harvest. Mm. So, um, of course, then that glyphosate, which is the herbicide, which is called Roundup, um, the commercial name is Roundup, but the, the active ingredient is glyphosate, then is um, in our food supply, it's on our, it could be in our cosmetics, it could be on the grasses that you play on, and it's everywhere. And what we're realising now is that glyphosate was always seen, Roundup was always seen as the very, very safe uh, herbicide, the safest of herbicides because it doesn't affect human cells. But the problem is, is that, we're not just human cells. We have a microbiome that is bacteria, which is what glyphosate affects, bacteria and plants. And it stops the it's something called the shikimate pathway. And the shikimate pathway is very important in humans, which is performed by bacteria, which helps us digest fructose. And from there we make aromatic amino acids and then from there we make our neurotransmitters and 90% of our neurotransmitters are made in our gut. So when you start to see this cascade of events, we're eating more now, using more of this herbicide, not only can't we digest the grain because we don't have the bacteria to help us do that, 
we also are eating copious amounts of a very, very um, different grain rather than the ancient grain. And and this just um, creates what we call in the film a perfect storm of events that have basically um, destroyed the health of the human population, especially those that are exposed to these two um, issues. Yeah, that was a fantastic summary. I had a lot of questions that you have pretty much answered. So I just want to sort of break down a few of those subtopics. Um, I was interested to have a, a good sort of look at the timeline to to learn more about when you think that perfect storm really exploded. So you think it, it wasn't in fact 1980 with the hybridisation of wheat but more the, the introduction of the herbicide, obviously, glyphosate? Well, I think it I remember, like, I, I've been a nutritionist since 1984. Mm. That's when I graduated. And when I started to consult with people, I just had to get them off um, the SAD diet, which was a sad, standard Australian diet. Mm. And and all, all I did was go, well, let's stop eating so much wheat. So I would actually write their diet down and highlight all the wheat in their diet. So I was actually doing that then, but only because we were eating too much of it and therefore we were missing out on valuable nutrition in other foods. Yeah. Yeah. So I would point that out to them and then I'd say, okay, let's have a look at what we can do to replace that. And people would get well immediately. They would, in any issues that they had, we didn't have the depression and the anxiety that we seem to have today. We didn't have the autoimmune diseases that we had today, the chronic inflammation, the chronic gastrointestinal problems. I wasn't seeing people like that. So we could help them immediately, but I didn't take them off wheat. I just subsided the amount of wheat that they were eating and they would still get well. And I would also say, look, let's eat a better quality wheat and let's eat quality dairy. So at that point, uh, we were seeing some people that were having some wheat issues, but not what we see today. So I think it was starting with the hybridization of the wheat. But we had a, a probably a microbiome that was intact. It didn't have um, glyphosate um, that had pulled out, you know, had stopped it creating the shikimate pathway. So we didn't have anything such as fructose malabsorption. Nobody was talking about fructose malabsorption back in the 80s, but everybody's talking about FODMAPs and fructose malabsorption now. Mm-hmm. So I think that, the, that it did start then because we were eating so much. But I actually, I believe in the last decade is when I have seen children who are allergic to their mother's milk because um, they don't have a microbiome um, that is functioning well enough for them to even digest proteins. And so they can only be kept alive on a medical formula and and with probably drugs that will help bring their mast cells down or stop the isnophilia disorders or whatever is happening in their gut and whatever the doctor has um, diagnosed, then they will treat with, with those things. I don't, I don't believe that I was seeing anything like that or heard of anything like that in the 80s, but because... Um, of all the emails that I get and the people that I see and the talks that I give and the hundreds of people that come up to me, they all are saying this. If they have an issue with their their child, they go, I thought it was just my child, but you have just said exactly what's happening to my child. So as Joel Salton says in the film, when you, you know, he goes through the whole artificial thing. So when you 
use artificial fertilizers, make artificial plants that then in turn make artificial animals that then in turn are eaten by people who become can only be kept alive by artificials. Well, we actually have some children and some adults with eosinophilia disorders and mast cell activation, um, whether it's whole body or in the gut, that um, can only be kept alive with artificials. And that is the medical formula, which is broken down proteins that are only in amino acid form, high fructose corn syrup, some fats like coconut oil, palm oil, maybe some sap oil, um, and fake vitamins and minerals. And that's all these kids can survive on. Give them a real food and they break out in hives. So to put an exact time, I think it's been just this started, I believe, in I started to see a little bit in the 80s, but more so by the year, by, in the last decade is when I'm really starting to see some some real issues and even our young girls with infertility, there's a lot that are having issues with their menstrual cycles. And I think um, Stephanie Seneff says it really well. She says there's a generational effect to this epigenetics. And I believe that these new generations that are coming up are going to be the ones that are, um, it's going to be tough health-wise for them. Um, you know, even my um, children's generation, which is the 20, they were in, they're in their 20s now. I'm seeing their friends with issues. So uh, I'd hate to see what's going to happen with their children. So we just, we've got to make a stand and we have to do something. And if we don't, we're just going to see this cascade um, worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense if we know how much the, the glyphosate affects the microbiome and we know how important the microbiome is for all health and wellness you can see how that perfect storm really does just cascade yeah it's um it's something that um we really talk about in the film a lot so that we make people aware of what's happening and i've had um medical doctors from um, the u.s especially saying i've been trying to explain this to my patients and these are integrative doctors, of course. I mean, trying to explain this to my patients, this is required watching um, for my patients now. And then they send them to the six-week um, no-week program um, because they don't have time. They don't have time to explain the situation to them and then tell them, you need to be on a wheat-free diet. Let's, let's just start with a gluten-free, wheat-free diet. And then if that doesn't work, then we're going to have to eliminate more and more until we calm the immune system down, get everything working, heal the gut, and then we can start introducing foods back into the diet as long as um, we can keep your inflammatory markers down. Um, but, of course, that that is not the case with people with celiac disease or wheat allergies or, you know, where it's, it's going to cause death. Um, but for people who have just got these aches and pains and issues and gut issues, and then it, it seems to work where... Um, intolerances and sensitivities are a dynamic system where people can eventually eat them again and it could be two years down the track it could be five years down the track and I and I can hear people right now going two years but you know, people don't realize what what is happening in our system you know it's, it's just it's look I, I'm looking at right now I see overt globalization and covert depopulization happening you know, that's what's happening at the moment. And, and unless we make 
some sort of, um, and whether this is covert, meaning it's happening because somebody is orchestrating this, or whether this is just happening because of globalization and multinational companies um, not really caring too much about um, what they're doing to the planet and to our bodies. Yeah, it's hard to say, but there's no doubt a combination. But obviously, the the education is is the first step. So I think that you know the film is, as you say, going to be compulsory watching for everyone to learn more about the reasons because it's not as simple as just saying don't eat wheat. For a lot of people, um, as you know, that's the foundation of their food pyramid. So it can be quite a big step to think about what they're going to eat. Um, when they are wheat free. So tell us more about your six week program and um, why you decided that actual duration. Well, because it's manageable for somebody who just sees this for the first time. That's mm. number one. Number two, the six week program is, is all about just educating more and more. So the documentary gives you uh, an idea of what's happening, but we don't go into in depth. And I, I get so many comments. Why didn't you talk about this? And why didn't you talk about that? And I was like, would you have liked a 10-hour documentary? You know. Um, so what we do with the six-week no week is we delve further into um, traditional ways of um, eating grains or traditional ways of um, eating foods, and that's as well as fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, eggs, fowl, you know, fish, meats, etc. We, you know, egg, the whole lot. So um, we then go into explaining the ingredients in bread. So we show what most bread's ingredients are because most people don't check it. They check it for the nutritional value, so fat, salt, protein, sugar content. They just want to know that. Well, we say dismiss that completely. You want to know if you're eating a real food. So we get them to go into the grocery store and and have a look at it or go into their pantry and see what's in their pantry. So it's a complete... Um, decluttering of the pantry, getting rid of stuff that's not good for them or is going to create problems, how to do it. So it's a very practical step-by-step way of doing this. And then, of course, there's lots of recipes um, and they can. it's on a really amazing platform so they can plug in, um, you know, what food they may have and they can and, and talk about uh, what ingredients do I need and shopping lists. And <laughs> it's just, it's, um, you know, my team has worked tirelessly to, get it on a platform that was easy for people to use and self-instruction rather than you having to consult one of our nutritionists. And some people will need to consult nutritionists such as yourself or um, other people, but other people will be able to do this and and find um, amazing results. Um, it was really funny. I, I got a, um, a message and I'm just going to go to this message I got this message from somebody that I, I just happened to speak to because he actually is a person who is making this new milk, the the cold pressured milk. Mm. And because I couldn't find any research on what it was doing to the proteins and what it was doing to the fats, and I thought, well, I'll just go to the source. So I, I found the guy that's actually doing it and we started chatting and he doesn't have any studies on it or anything. So he's actually going to do some testing for me. Um, and that's going to be a whole new thing, but we, and we won't talk about that now. But I, as we were talking, we were getting on really well, and he was willing to do this to make sure he was putting out a good product. 
So I told him about my film, What's With Wheat, and he watched it that night and he said, I- I'd like to read this to you if that's okay. Yeah, so he said, hi, Cindy, I've watched your program from start to end. Wow, what a masterwork and just beautifully produced. That was really nice. I can understand why it took you years to complete. For your information, I was travelling today, so not typical, but when I think about it, I've consumed bread with or for breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner and dessert. I don't feel great, but what's frightening is how pervasive wheat is nearly in every available offering. I'll give the wheat-free six-week no-wheat trial um, a, a, a go with my family. I'm glad our paths have crossed and we'll come back to you with whatever information I can offer Read the milk. So, you know, here's a man that wasn't even aware of this and what he was doing. And he only sounded like a young person. I didn't think he sounded old at all, maybe 30s, maybe, maybe 40s. You know, it's a bit hard sometimes on the phone what to know, but these people have no idea. And you go and say to them, oh, you have to give up this, 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 and this. They just want to throw up their hands in horror. But if they know it's six weeks and if they know it's just one thing, um, I, I believe that it's achievable for the person who's out there that's not even thought about this. So um, that's why we did it with six weeks because we're hoping that when they get to the six-week point, they'll go, you know what, I don't have that niggling thing there and I'm not getting headaches and I'm not getting this and I'm not getting that. And, you know, and a lot of people go, oh, my gosh, here we go, an ingredient that um, is going to be the be-all and end-all and it will cure anything. And... It was really interesting talking to Alessio Fasano yesterday because he's the expert in this. And I said to him, Alessio, when somebody gives up wheat, what areas of their body can they expect that to affect in getting better? And he was quiet for a little while and he said, well, every part of the body. Because no body um, cannot have inflammation. And so then I said to him, well, why does somebody get a migraine from it, another person get a skin condition, another one get type 1 diabetes, etc." And he said, when you get the answer to that, Cindy, they will give you the Nobel Prize. <laughs> you know, that was my question as well. So at least we know there's not an answer just yet. <laughs> no, look, there isn't, you know, and it's your predisposition. And we talk about that in the film too, you know. Um, we don't know why, but we do know. Um, the mechanism of what happens when somebody has an intolerance or gluten um, sensitivity. And it's not just one mechanism. So some of the things that Alessio was saying was, you know, it might just have cell death. So he um, he went through and he said it could be apoptosis and it could be zonulin, um, which opens up the gates to the epithelial lining that lines the gut to the rest of the body. He said it could be um, an immune-related thing and that could be mediated as a a whole-body immune um, issue or it could be just in a small area. So he says we know what it does, we just don't know why it picks certain areas of the body in different people. But like you said, we'll we'll go for the Nobel Prize on that one. Yes, obviously, like you say, the disposition plays a big role, but we're not looking at that in isolation. For example, with the the effect of glyphosate, we know that the impact is also on the sulfur metabolism. So in some people that can be the buildup of ammonia, which we see in um, 
Alzheimer's disease and autism, for example. So if that individual has that um, deficiency, then the manifestation is obviously in that particular disease. Yeah, and that's where we're going at the moment. We're, we're actually going into precision medicine as opposed to imprecision medicine. So once upon a time, um, well, I, I shouldn't say once upon a time, it's actually happening still today. So let's take a heart attack. You get a heart attack, mm, you've got 98% blocked flow, we'll give you a stent, um, and these are the five drugs you need to take. You take Plavex, aspirin, beta blockers, um, can't remember what the other two are. Anyway, there's, 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 you know, there's a protocol. Everybody does it. But there's a um, cardiologist in the US um, called Mark Houston, and I listened to him speak, and he says, 50% of the population cannot process aspirin. And you give them aspirin, it makes them worse. So we don't do the protocol of five drugs you take after a heart attack um, and after you've had a stent. We actually do genetic testing to find out what are the best medications for you, what are the best nutrients for you, what's the best diet for you, can you drink coffee or not drink coffee. So... This is what um, Alessio was also talking about when I interviewed him yesterday. He said, we are becoming to the point where if we can have a look at our genetic markers and not saying that means you will get the disease, but let's say you have the gene for celiac, then it would be prudent to make sure that you eat foods that will enhance your genetic potential as opposed to destroy your genetic potential. And the same with the MTHFR and the, and the um, COMT and all of these gene markers that we're getting to understand that even though you have it, it doesn't mean that you will produce more ammonia or you will not be able to methylate or anything like that, but you have that predisposition and we can then say to you, well, these are the, this is the lifestyle you need to lead so that you don't end up with Alzheimer's dementia, multiple sclerosis, celiac disease, type 1 diabetes or whatever it is, we're getting to that point but we're not there yet. Um, but I love it. I just I love this precision um, medicine and preci precision dietary because at the moment I'm seeing everybody go ketogenic, high fat, low carbohydrate, you know, and, you know, we've never done that in evolutionary eating we may have done it for a certain period of time but we never ever continued it because there would always be carbohydrates available to us um, in the summer you know and and that's different areas of the world this all happened but i just think that i'm i'm not convinced that being on a ketogenic diet for five years unless it's a therapeutic reason you're on it is a good thing oh, i'm totally with you and i think that's why we need to look at periodizing our our intake and taking an approach that's a lot more sustainable than what can sometimes be quite a fad i think ketogenic diets are a good example of that where they have great application for uh, epilepsy and cancer but no, that doesn't mean that they're right for everybody yeah and it's funny i got a an, um in all my messages like we're just getting thousands of messages and i try and read um, I have the messages I read, which is under the feed of the um, the free screening of What's With Weed. And and I had um, one lady say, oh, I've been on the, you know, the high fat, low carb, I'm gaining weight, I've now got fatty liver disease, um, I'm not feeling good. And I'm like going, 
don't continue to do something and mm-hmm. think you're going to get a different result. The fact you're getting fatty liver disease um, and probably your LDLs are up because it'll be letting out the LDLs, you need to perhaps rethink what you're doing. Now, I'm not going to advise you. You need to get professional help. So it's very, very hard to know what is happening in their lives, what's their history, what's their genetic potential, and it's I don't advise on there. I just say, well, you can't continue to do something and, and expect something different to, to change. You have to go and, and, and make changes to this and perhaps get some professional help. And, and this is what I'm finding at the moment is, is it's not as easy as it was in the 80s. There are so many other things happening in the body that we can't just prescribe a real food diet anymore or we can't just prescribe a one-size-fits-all diet anymore. We're having to really test and measure and figure out what is happening in there, in, in what they're doing and in their environment. And I think more and more we don't just change diet. We have to start looking at um, other factors that are uh outside the body's environment and what we put on our skin and how we shampoo our hair and what is our house like. So this year um, on in Melbourne I'm doing uh, an education uh, weekend where I'm not the speaker because usually I speak the weekend but I'm um, asking six experts in methylation, in thyroid, in sympathetic dominance, in toxic homes, in chemicals uh, to come and speak to my education students because I have a 12-month education program and um, this is where we have to go we have to see what is what is happening with we're always in fight or flight why we're not methylating uh, why are our hormones screwed up chemicals in our home um, and how and we don't even know about the chemicals in our home you know we know about the asbestos but um, we've got Nicole Abisma actually coming to talk and she now teaches architects how to make, you know, to build safe homes. How amazing is Nicole? I heard her speak last year. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's mm. absolutely amazing. So, look, if anybody out there is interested and they live in Melbourne and, you know, they can go to um, a link, no doubt, that you will put up um, after um, the podcast they can go to that link and and come to you know come to this amazing uh, weekend. It's only nine to five. It's in Melbourne. It's at Burwood um, at Deakin University at the Burwood campus. Easy to get to, and I can tell you, you will have your socks blown off by the information that these six amazing specialists are, 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 are going to. We've also got Dr. Stephen Myers speaking, and he's going. to speaking on the microbiome because we're releasing a 10-week microbiome course for our graduates as well as um, people who can show prior learning in understanding, um, you know, that what science is all about and, and perhaps even a Bachelor of Science is what we need in order to get people to do this microbiome course. So we need prior learning if they haven't done my course. So mm-hmm. he'll be talking about the microbiome and, and all my students are, are getting this opportunity to meet Dr. Stephen Myers, who's the head of education at Changing Habits. So it, it's, I'm really looking forward to the weekend. I'm, I picked those speakers because I wanted to hear them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have heard them all speak before, but I just want to pick their brains and get more information out of them and they have good timing times to 
to spread their message and um, and hopefully my students will learn more from them um, about um, the information that's going to be so important moving forward in in order to create health within our um, our population. Great. So it's a it's available for your students, but for anyone that um, has a bit of a background in nutrition that can come along as well. Do you think? I, look, I think so. You and even the lay person could come um, if they've been, you know, thinking about this and reading about it and have some understanding of um, of the human body and how food affects the human body. They don't have to have a degree in nutrition, but uh, I. I I believe that they need to have some concepts around it. Like I don't want to throw anybody in there who's just coming along thinking they're going to learn how to change their diet um, because that's what you you basically get if you come and listen to me for a day. Um, you, you know, this is about really getting into the nitty-gritty of sympathetic dominance and how do I help sympathetic dominance. This is about getting into the nitty-gritty of thyroid and and if someone has a thyroid condition, they'll understand TSH and T3 and T4 and reverse T3. Well, Rachel gets into the nitty-gritty of that, helping people understand their own blood readings as well as what do I have to do in order to improve this? What is What other parts of my body do I need to look at? And, and Dr. Nicole Avard is going to be talking on methylation, which seems to be the buzzword, but I think mm-hmm. it's important people understand what methylation is and that methylation is important to the developing baby in utero, in the uterus. And if they are hypomethylating, um, we are going to have some disastrous health issues and main, mainly mental, such as autism and ADD and ADHD and um, issues like this, which we know are escalating. So I think it's important for people to come along understand what is happening in this, uh, on the planet at the moment and take a stand in their own home and then if they're interested, you know, come and do my course, Changing Habits, Changing Lives education course and uh, be part of this tsunami of change that is going to have to happen um, within our healthcare system. And I'm just, pr- I'm ready and I'm, I'm prepped to help professionals um, get development points because we do um, we are now getting certified. We are certified worldwide, and we are now getting um, associations uh, approval for personal development or um, professional development um, hours. So it's great. It's, we're moving. We're moving towards helping this tsunami um, make changes. Oh, you're doing so much. It's fantastic. So unfortunately we have missed the free screening of What's With Wheat. So tell us about the events that are happening around Australia and how our listeners can check out the film. Well, if they go to whatswithwheat.com, they will, uh, and click on events, anybody who's putting on a screening, we are trying to put on the events page. Mm. So people can purchase the rights to do a screening. I think it's 80 or $90 Australian. So it, it, no matter where you are in the world, that's what it will cost you. Now, usually, like people are saying to me, that's so cheap. And I go, yes, because we want the information out there. Most people charge thousands to do these screenings. So it means you can do a charity screening, you can do a fundraiser. If you're an event coordinator, you can make a bit of money, you know, doing this. So we, when they, they tell us the date that they're doing that screening, 
we will put that on the event page. Um, And I really think it's good to see this documentary with a group of people and then have a forum afterwards because that's what we suggest is a forum with experts in your community talking about, well, what was this all about? How do we make changes? What do we have to do? Um, Because sometimes people see the end of that film and they go, okay, what do I do now? You know, how can I make changes? I want to make changes because there will be people that watch it that just go, boom, I'm going to make that change. There will be people that will have lots of questions after that film too and so it's good to have a forum um, for that. So, yeah, whatswithwheat.com, go to events. Um, We're putting them up as we get told about them. Um, I do believe um, Lawrence um, and a couple of chiropractors in northern um, parts of Sydney are putting one together in August. I know there's one in Sydney, in the southern area of Sydney in July. Um, there's a group of my students that are putting it together. I, I believe Damien Christoph is putting one down in the Brighton area of Melbourne. Oh, look, I'm hearing about them everywhere. And, of course, I get message, Cindy, can you come? Can you come? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I believe Red Hill is doing one in Adelaide. Um, yes. Yeah, so they're all over the place. There's, there's lots happening. Yeah, well, I'll definitely check out the link and that will be in the show notes team. So make sure you get along to a, a screening of What's With Wheat. Obviously the the, um, the panel is going to be a really fantastic addition to the actual movie so you can have all your questions answered and, and speak with those experts. Oh, look, wonderful that you're going to have that link at the end of the show notes. So everybody click on that so you know because lots of people spell what's with wheat wrong. So oh. click on that to make it really easy because they want to put an apostrophe in there or um, or some of them put what's 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 the one that I've got. What Oh, I don't know. They're, but everybody's saying we can't find it. So, oh, really? yeah, okay. click on your show notes. That's probably the best place so that they get there and find it. Fantastic. So it's whatswithwheat.com yes. and... That's where all the information is, team. So it's been amazing to chat with you, Cindy. I think there's so much more that the film will share. Obviously, we don't want to give away all the secrets. Mm. Um, but how many experts did you did you have on the show? Was it 14? Well, yes, 14, but that includes me. I decided oh, I'll put myself down as an expert. I, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was interviewed as well. So what happened was mm. I interviewed um, 13 people all the way from people who knew about skin care and wheat and gluten in skin care to medications and vitamins and minerals and food. And every single one of them was asked exactly the same question. And so that when we finished everybody, then I was asked the exact same questions and interviewed. So um, it, it was I'm the person who brings everything together, explains it simply if somebody has explained it hard. Mm-hmm. And, and I just tell the story of, of what has happened to wheat. So it, like I said, it starts with history and then it ends up into uh, the perfect storm of today and how it's affecting our health. So it's an hour and 15 minutes. People just um, say that they're just glued. I, you know, I, I've watched it up probably a hundred times and I've watched it in cinemas with people and I look around the cinema and they are, they're glued to the screen because it moves fast and keeps you engaged and gives you the information that you need in order to make a decision about whether you um, think what we're saying is going to help you or or not. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's always worth a try. I mean, six weeks is a relatively short amount of time, but I'm sure the benefits are going to be noticed much sooner than that. And that will be the incentive to experience how different you can feel. Yeah, definitely. Well, I felt it in 10 days. Mm. You know, I was getting the results in 10 days. And you you know what the scary thing was, is that um, I was walking with my girlfriend and we walk every day. Um, we just meet at five o'clock and we walk every day. And, and one day she said to me, um, after I'd been on this protocol for about 10 days, she goes, how come you're not stretching your back out anymore? Why, why are we not stopping for you to do that? And all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, I have no more back pain. Yeah. yeah. So we ask people to actually write down from head to toe how they're feeling because we do forget and it's really good to go back after that six-week program and look at all the things that were annoying you and then realise that many little niggly things ha- have actually disappeared. So we do ask that in the six-week, no-week program. Um, and it works beautifully because you do. Like even I forgot. Oh, yeah, I've had an 18-month back problem and yet I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you just get used to it, though, I think, more than anything. Yeah, you do. It just It's a niggle. And then the niggle goes, but you just, yeah, it's, it was a weird um, concept. Then all of a sudden what happens over a five-year period is that you realise my flexibility improved over a two- to three-year period. Yoga became so much easier to me. My dry skin, um, w- I would go to America to the to the, the snow and I could never hop in the spa because I would scratch with dryness. Well, I can, I can hop in a spa now. I, I don't ever have an issue. I would hate having showers even when I was in a dry environment. That's all disappeared. So you get those initial results. Then when you continue, you, all, of, all of a sudden you start to see these things. It's almost like you're using as opposed to ageing. And, and that's, that's what my body's doing. Like I was doing yoga the other day and I'm like going, oh, my gosh, I, I only go once a week. Sometimes I don't make it every week. And I'm watching a young girl beside me who can hardly, uh, you know, do any of it and she's been doing the yoga as long as me and I'm like getting more and more flexible. It's just, yeah, I'm, so it continues it, it, for decades, um, as, as the beautiful Mark Sisson says. It just, it just keeps going. You think, I love that. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks so much for your time today, Cindy. It's been awesome to chat with you and um, I look forward to hearing what our listeners have to say about their uh, screening, what, what they think when they see the film. Thank you, Steph. Look forward to chatting again soon. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.